I'm Dieran Garrity and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to moments where if they didn't laugh, they'd cry. So we got up then and, you know, the babies had been fed and Sophia had been having lunch at her high chair with the family. And we got up and we were like, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) And then everyone was like, okay, Christmas is over. See ya. And just left us there, you know, with the kids. Former Miss World and best-selling author Rosanna Davison is my guest this week. She talks to me about her close-knit family, especially her bond with her granny, the whirlwind of motherhood, including the journey to get there, and her love for a good Father Ted quote. From big laughs to big wins, this season of the Laughs of Your Life podcast is brought to you by TK Maxx. If you have grand plans to be the host with the most this Christmas, like me, well, sous chef, and are on the lookout for tablescaping accessories to astound your guests, there is quality to make you gasp and prices to make you grin at TK Maxx. I'm going to fess up here now. I'm a complete disaster in the kitchen 364 days of the year, but on Christmas Day, I'm actually not that bad at all. Whether it's dishing up the starters, my mom does this black pudding salad that is absolutely heavenly, or folding the napkins beautifully, or lighting the candles, I'm actually a great help around the place if I say so myself. I'm not too good at the cooking, it's just the other stuff is very important, I feel. And one thing that has never been much of a tradition in our house, but I did last Christmas and I plan on doing every year from now on, is making a little glass of bubbles before the dinner a must. Like, why not? What's the point in nipping into TK Maxx for sparkly champagne flutes or gorgeous serving boards if we don't embrace the day fully and use all of them? Get on board with Christmas wins so big at TK Maxx, you won't be able to keep them to yourself. And now for my chat with Rosanna Davison. I hope you enjoy. Rosanna Davison, you are extremely welcome to the Last of Your Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm very honoured. I, um, yeah, I reached out to your people because as soon as it was announced that you were bringing out this new book, Mm. I was like, I need to chat to her. My people spoke to your people. (laughs) We are people aligned. I.e. you sent me a DM. (laughs) (laughs) You slid into my DMs. I fully slid into your DMs. And then I was like, oh God, but it's Rosanna Davis. I need to talk to her people. So then I did a bit of both. And then I was like, oh God, I'm going to get my wires crossed. Anyway, you were so easy about it. You're like, yeah. Let's do this. So thank you so much. I for was going to give you my phone number by DM and oh I gosh. totally forgot. It would have made organizing it probably a bit easier. Don't worry. Who, who do we think we are anyway? I know. I know. <laughs> so you had a bit of a mishap before uh, we met. We were supposed to meet at 11. You were a tiny bit late. That's totally understandable. Yes, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> if I could sum up motherhood in three words, it would be so much poo. <laughs> I'd have to leave it at that. <laughs> and not yours, theirs. That's, oh, what, theirs. You, that's what you clarified. But... Three babies, two dogs, one husband. Yeah. And I, I don't think he'll listen to this because Wes never voluntarily listens to my voice outside right. of the home. So he pro- <laughs> we're probably safe. But he finds a lot of reasons to go to the bathroom during the day. He'll suddenly go, oh, I need to go. And I'll kind of, you know, look down the hall and he'll be sitting there on his phone watching videos. And I'm like, hey, we've got three babies here. Get back. One of which has definitely shot themselves at some point in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> so, oh my uh, God. So that's, that's <laughs> the house for you. It's manic. Lots of, um, yeah, lots of nappy changes and, uh, you know, all the rest. It is, it's chaos, but in the best possible way, it's, I suppose, what we wanted. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily all in one year. Bish, bash, bosh. <laughs> that's what we got and we're you know we have three beautiful children yes. and we're very lucky well we'll come back to that um and before we we delve into that i want to go back and i want to dig a bit, a bit deeper now, i have warned you about my memory it's it'll come to you 
I can just about remember getting dressed an hour ago. <laughs> okay, Rosanna Davidson, your first memory of laughter, if mm. you can remember. You know what? I grew up very happy to say I had a really enjoyable, happy childhood. I grew up in a home, a happy home full of laughter. So I suppose pinpointing one specific occasion is difficult. I have parents who are both messers. They both giggle like school children together, which is lovely. And they still do after what, 40 plus years of marriage. Um, And yeah, my dad's the ultimate kind of practical joker. I have two brothers as well. So they were always messing and joking when they weren't fighting, obviously. (laughs) Um, But I suppose one memory that does stick out or or memory of a person laughing is my grandfather, my dad's um, or my mum's dad, who passed away, I mean, in the 90s, she'll probably be upset now I can't remember the specific uh, year but I do remember he was one of those sort of really quick-witted dry humoured um, men and the kind of person who would you know tell a joke and then laugh and snort at his own joke you know, <laughs> chortle away at how funny he was but he had a really sort of gravelly laugh and I can still remember the smell of his coat and his hat and you know it's just one of those funny early memories that um, stick in my head so what is it it's about- a happy one to keep yes what is mm. it about grandparent smells and I mean that in the best way <laughs> they're so vivid yeah I don't know if it's a, a damp or a sort of <laughs> <laughs> it is a kind of a damp <laughs> or biscuits or lavender in the case of grannies <laughs> but there is a damp kind of smell there is you know even on my grandmother I mean she's amazing she's 95 my dad's mum she's still going strong she sends me emails all this kind of thing but we always know when she's sent us a card or a present in the post because we can smell her from the wrapping yes. paper or the envelope and it is just a, a sort of an old wallpapery kind of old carpety smell you're like oh my god you're hitting the nail on that and like, it gets in your hair and- <laughs> yes it does it clings to like your scarf and things when you go and see them that's so funny and then sometimes you know if she she cooks maybe sausages she'd use old oil that you know sits there in the pan and it's been there for decades and it's just this mix of like biscuits and damp and old oil and sausages and oh my um, god it's so true yeah. so she's 95 and is she on her own is she living on her own she lives with my aunt okay um, in Wexford and we well usually would visit her a lot until the the boys came along uh, last November and we haven't got down to her since but she has come up to meet them okay so that's been lovely but I mean she featured so heavily in my childhood we spent weeks you know Easter holidays summer holidays staying with her in Wexford just great memories she has a farm down there well it's not an active farm anymore she used to have sheep and cattle and horses and she bred racehorses I mean she's got a fascinating life and I actually wrote a lot about her in the book because really I wanted to keep memories of her alive for my children I want them to know all about her and to remember her that way so it's amazing the way grannies are going so she emails you my boyfriend's granny mm. whatsapps him and she's 92 that's incredible it's like that's that's really yeah impressive yeah my granny did uh, a computer course in the 90s I think late 90s and learned all about you know how to type servers emails so she'd say oh send me pictures of uh, the twins and I'd email off pictures of them and you know she'd write lovely emails or she'd email me to say I think you're doing too much and you're tired now so I think you need to (laughs) calm down she's so sweet what was it like to be the only girl in the family um I grew up wishing for a sister 
funnily enough but now I'm grateful obviously I, I adore my brothers and we've got a great <laughs> friendship now but I always thought oh I'd love to have a sister and we could you know share things and share clothes and although having spoken to friends with sisters and you've got sisters <laughs> as we all know you probably fight an awful lot and steal oh, yeah. each other's clothes and all that kind of thing but you grow up together and you know you have an amazing bond then in the future so but I think as a result of not having a sister I'm so close to my mum and yes. you know she's just such a huge part and my dad but my mum's over every day to help with the babies every day. every day I mean she's just incredible and she's you know kept us alive this year with food and <laughs> you know she arrives with pots of I don't know stew or soup and all sorts of things and you know she's just amazing and she loves having the kids as well the yeah. grandkids too um so but I, I said to Wes recently, oh, wouldn't it be lovely for Sophia to have a sister? And you should have seen the thunderous <laughs> look on his face. <laughs> He's like, Rosie, we're elbow deep in poo at the moment. And you're talking about a fourth baby. <laughs> never say never. And well, of course, you can't sort of just decide you want a girl. Yeah. But um, back before I found out we were having um, identical twin boys, I was convinced they were girls. I had names chosen. I, you know, had all sorts of things. And I thought, this is great. We can dress them in Sophia's old baby clothes. Yeah. And there were so many things I bought her and never put her in because you know they, they grow, grow in one one minute they're out of everything um and so I, I knew Wes was secretly thinking oh gosh four women in the house it's kind of and I kept saying to him it's definitely girls definitely girl. I can just feel it I can feel it in my waters um and obviously it turned out to be boys so I mean we were thrilled yeah. with whatever we were given but yeah part of me would love Sophia to have the sister that I never had maybe Listen, it would be another another while. I think we'd be crazy to even talk about it. <laughs> okay, Rosanna. Well, like, do I call you Rosie? Yeah, call me Rosie. Actually, Everyone does. Do you know what I wanted to ask you? How often do people say Davidson? A lot. Yeah. Um, I get E at the end of, you know, R-O-S-E a lot. Yes. Anna. And then I get Davidson a lot as well. <laughs> so, but I, I'm sure people misspell your name. Oh my God, even constantly. more than sure, I'm Dory in half the time. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were. Oh. What? <laughs> okay, I'm joking. <laughs> okay, Rosie. Kicked out. Pushed down this yes. staircase of 50 million stairs in, in this building. Okay, the first time you felt laughed at, can you recall? I can actually very clearly and I still want to, you know, just disappear into a hole in the ground. <laughs> I was about 13. I had sort of, I was pony obsessed, you know, as in my sort of... 9, 10, 11, 12 sort of age and then suddenly at 13 I started noticing boys as, as you, you do, do yes. there may have been one or two Leonardo DiCaprio posters up on the wall <laughs> um, and I remember starting to have an interest in clothes as well so I think my mum could have taken me shopping one day but or else I was with friends but I was wandering through it was like Miss Selfridge or Topshop or one of those yeah. um, places that we all went to as teenagers and I had noticed um, a couple of cute boys nice. just you know, nearby in the shop and I thought oh well I'll just you know, give my hair a, a little flick and look alluring um, so I thought oh that's a nice skirt there was a nice sort of patterned silky skirt it had little um, lip, like kisses oh, yeah. pattern on it or something. So I picked that <laughs> up and stood in front of the mirror and held it up. And I heard a sort of sniggering behind me. And it was these two lads walking past. I looked down and it was a pair of boxers. No! <laughs> <laughs> wandered somehow into the men's section and I thought oh they're nice that's a nice skirt and 
hadn't hadn't looked at it properly in my sort of distraction. So I just wanted to die. <laughs> and I can still feel the embarrassment and just them looking over going, look at your one holding up boxers to her. And at that age, if something is like mildly embarrassing for, for, for everyone else, at that age, it's like a million times more embarrassing. So embarrassing. And I just legged <laughs> it out of there so fast. And yeah, it's funny how all these years later, I can still, I know, I, I get the goosebumps Ooh. of embarrassment. What? Okay. So what were you, what was secondary school Rosanna Davison like? Because I'd say people have an idea that you were super popular, always looked fab. Like, what was it? What was it like for you? Don't know about that. I <laughs> was definitely didn't look fab. I mean, I went through my spotty phase, yep. you know, the greasy hair phase, the phase of I remember going in one day and one of the girls saying, you've got a bit of something on your face. And I was like, get yeah, Sudacream. <laughs> I, I would rather go into school with Sudacream on my spots than, you know, actually show them to the world so yes. uh, yeah I went through that phase <laughs> things improved a bit I suppose maybe in fourth fifth year that kind of time um I was really into sports loved hockey netball tennis and um, cricket um you know played all the sports athletics um I didn't focus academically that hard until the leaving search something clicked in me when I started fifth year and I thought okay gonna focus now yeah and yeah so I was quite nerdy I went to the library yeah I went to them secretly quite nerdy um <laughs> went to the library you're not so secret anymore <laughs> but I went to the library at lunchtime and got an awful slagging from my friends for that and um I was a prefect so yeah standard standard <laughs> <There you go. laughs> um yeah but I I enjoyed school I I did and I worked really hard but yeah as I said it was a bit of a messer up until fifth year and then okay applied yourself clicked, clicked into gear yeah. yeah my dad used to drop me to school in my latter years for some reason I don't know because I, I was the last one so Avian so my eldest sister Avian would have been in maybe fifth year when I was in first year so she she actually drove us peak Celtic Tiger she she was given a car to drive us to school oh my goodness <laughs> so we so then when I was in fifth year my dad used to drive me and I remember him driving me down on the first day and being like look just look back on every day every week every month and know that you kind of threw yourself into it and it's just two years and mm. everyone has to do it and yet like that it just clicked in me I was yeah. like yeah you just everyone's in the same boat something happens and maybe I was in an all-girls all school Rath down and I think you know the girls were lovely in my year and I think everyone just worked hard and there was a really good sort of su- supportive environment and yeah everyone was helping everyone else and you know we had our bit of crack in the common room and <laughs> you know a bit of fun there but you know everyone did work hard yeah and, all the girls were quite ambitious and wanted to go on to third level so it was a nice environment I did um yeah went to UCD then um took a year out after Miss World so I did first year um I studied sociology and history of art and I suppose that's one of my regrets possibly um from that sort of period of my life where I actually really wanted to do something in sports science or you know, something like physiotherapy or sports science or nutrition, but my careers guidance teacher sort of, I couldn't pinpoint what exactly I wanted to do. So she said, look, do a general arts degree and then you can specialize maybe after that. Yeah. And I sort of just went along with it. I think maybe my friends were doing the same and looking back, I thought I had all the time in the world and you do when you're 17 or 18, you just think, ah, I've got my whole life ahead of me. I'll do something eventually. I just want to have the crack in first year. And that was kind of it. Um, so looking back, I should have done a more specialist subject and something that I'd been really into, I suppose, but 
again I couldn't find the course I wanted to do in Dublin and it would have meant up in sticks and going down to the country and doing a course somewhere else so I just you know it did that in Dublin I really enjoyed the course but I didn't necessarily want to be yes. a sociologist or yeah. work in a museum or you know <laughs> that kind of thing so it's crazy um, actually how much of an influence a guidance counselor like that can have on you yeah and they can get kind of you know not in a bad way but they can kind of get into your head and make you oh god yeah maybe I should look at you know something easier or something broader yeah that was it something yeah. broader and because I was the eldest my parents didn't really know what to advise me on and yeah. you know my dad was like hey I'm a you know, singer <laughs> you know, I couldn't be a singer because I sound like capping strangles when I sing and you know so they weren't in a position really to know you know with my brothers I think they were able to say look go do this and this go study business yeah do music as my brothers did because that's what they were passionate about but um so yeah I suppose if I could talk to my 18 year old self I would say no, focus and you know yeah think about what it is you want to do and you don't have all the time in the world but and who the knows? years speed up yes but who knows how things would have panned out if you'd done that you know well, that's it and you know I took a year out from this world and then I did go back to finish my degree and um when I actually when I finished the degree I was offered a scholarship PhD scholarship in sociological research and I thought oh I'd love to be Dr Davison you know in a few years yeah. time wouldn't that be fancy but ultimately I you know wanted it for the title rather than to make a yes. big impact in the, <laughs> the field of sociological research and <laughs> um, so I decided not to do that and I mean ultimately I did I did a master's a couple of years ago in nutrition yeah. and I did ultimately discover what I wanted to do and I did it but it was a more circuitous route I suppose, yes towards it but that's the spice of life it is and you do have to go with I suppose where your path leads and take opportunities and and you know we all change so much over the years and become different people I think yeah and become interested in different aspects of life okay Rosie the moment when if you didn't laugh you'd cry well this morning was a good example <laughs> ready I've you know managed to get some makeup on get my hair brushed managed to get into some clothes that aren't sort of stained and then one of them goes and shits themselves <laughs> so that was an example but I suppose we've had lots of those moments in the past um, nine months since the boys were born and at Christmas day actually sticks out in my head because we had decided that rather than packing up the car and getting all the kids out to my parents house that they'd come over to our house so my parents came over and then my brother and his partner and um, my dad had the genius idea of getting some catering in so we wouldn't have to cook so that was all fine so uh, Wes and I got up on Christmas morning after two hours of sleep I mean the boys (laughs) were what five weeks old something like that and two of them we just could not settle them at the same time until one of us sort of passed out <laughs> we all did and <laughs> um, so I woke up after two hours sleep on Christmas day and I thought this is great I'd done my hair the night before left out an outfit you know I had the the kids all sort of changed cleaned um fed ready everyone arrived at the house you know the catering arrived mum set the table everything was going well until <laughs> me and Wes had a glass of wine at um you know during the lunch yeah and it just hit us so hard because I certainly hadn't been drinking all year and we were just <laughs> demented with tiredness. We used to joke that we felt stunned and <laughs> the two of us just descended into fits of, you know, that delirious kind of laughter. Yes. Hysterical laughter at the, the dinner table on Christmas Day. And we just couldn't stop. I mean, streaming crying with laughter and we were sent off to bed like bold kids then for a nap. Stop! Yeah. 
So we got up then and, you know, the babies had been fed and Sophia had been having lunch, the, her high chair with the family. And we got up and we were like, what happened? <laughs> and then everyone was like, OK, Christmas is over. See ya. And just left us there, you know, with the kids. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. You're just like, wait, where are the kids? Our so three children. We suddenly woke up from this nap going, where are we? What just happened? What day is it? You know, it was just... Anyway, so the moral is don't drink wine <laughs> after two hours of sleep and you're already delirious with tiredness. What is it like to, to be doing this like mad journey with the love of your life? Like, is that, do you, do you kind of go, God, like, obviously you, you might think, how do people do this on their own? First of yeah, all, I have so of all, much respect for single oh parents. God, My just, goodness. It's. But is it, is it like he's your, so I'm presuming Wes is your best friend in the you're world. You're talking about the dog. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your best friend in, in the world most of the time most yeah. of the time yeah we are we make a really good team um and i suppose we've been tested in the last few years like never before but we are together wrecking each other's heads for 15 years actually i think the anniversary of our first date is next next week oh my god um so but we are seven years married and yeah, so 15 years later and we still, you know, we get on so well and we laugh all the time. And most of the time at the moment, it's just laughing at the madness of the situation. I mean, you couldn't write some of the scenarios that, that happen in our house on a daily basis. You know, there's always, it's like a Where's Wally book where there's something happening in every little piece of the page. You know, you look on one side and our toddler Sophia is like covering the dog in her lunch. And then you look over and the baby is puking <laughs> on the other baby. And then like another, the dog is weeing in the plant. Like there's just stuff <laughs> happening all the time. I'm constantly putting on the rubber gloves and cleaning. <laughs> um, like you just, yeah, you couldn't write it. And you just have to go with the flow. You just have to go with it and not be too fussy about I suppose cleanliness either. I mean, you know, there was jam all over the floor yesterday and I just Great. walked around in it until they were all in bed <laughs> and I could finally clean it up. Um, yeah, you uh, can't get, you can't let yourself get overly stressed. No. And I, I just do a big clean up when they're all in bed and we are lucky now that they're all sleeping. Um, Sophia goes to bed at seven, sleeps until half seven or so great. the next morning. She's great. The boys go at seven and we lift them up at about half ten for a feed and then once they're not like August was pretty brutal with teething they both cut four top front teeth at the same time but apart from that we've been on a good run this month and they've been sleeping right through till about six half six okay not the worst so I haven't a clue I'm like yeah that's fine listen you you're you're <laughs> up at the crack of dawn <laughs> well, um, you, well you mentioned you know all that you and Wes have been through over the past few years does that bring us into your no laughing matter moment or is it there does yes. actually I was thinking about this question and um I suppose, yeah, the past few years have been a roller coaster of emotions um, as I've really my, my book, it's called When Dreams Come True. And it's it's detailing our fertility journey, the struggles we went through. And um, we I got pregnant 14 times and and lost the pregnancies 14 times. But early, I know it doesn't make a huge difference once you're pregnant, you're pregnant and yeah. you're already thinking about your due date and your future and, and being a parent. Um, and then we um, decided to go down the surrogacy route and we, I mean, it was, it's by no means an easy route to parenthood, but it is feasible. And it's amazing, I think, to live in a time and in a world where it's possible to 
um, have a, another woman carry your child. Yeah. I mean, to have the, the medical and scientific um, advancement or knowledge that we can actually, you know, take out my egg, mix it with Wes's sperm and then insert it back into another person and for her to grow our child is just miraculous and for to have women as well who are willing to carry another person's child is Mm -hmm. amazing so my gratitude to our surrogate is just never ending Mm -hmm. um but yeah so we went along the surrogacy journey we were so grateful to obviously welcome Sophia into our lives in 2019 and then you know I've spoken about how um we yeah got to kind of march 2020 and the whole world went into well it felt like the whole world the whole country anyway went into lockdown the whole world was just full of the the anxiety and the sadness and the the worry of of covid but in our little bubble at home we'd sort of just relaxed and i thought gosh i don't have to be out anywhere i don't have to be thinking about you know getting the baby up and fed and dressed and changed and me fed and dressed and changed and out the door to work because I had gone back to work I suppose I'd said to myself well I didn't give birth to Sophia so I shouldn't be allowed to take too much time off which is mad it's mad but I mean it's you know us women can be hard on ourselves can't we yeah um so we just sort of relaxed and whatever happened I got pregnant but what I haven't spoken about actually publicly, I suppose I haven't had the opportunity really, and it's it's all in the book, is that um, I actually had another miscarriage last March, early March, um, when I was, it turned out I was nearly 11 weeks pregnant. So this, I suppose, is the, the answer to, to your question. Um, when Sophia was a newborn, I obviously we were going through the whole newborn phase where you're exhausted and just you know lacking sleep and Wes had gone back to work so I was kind of doing nights and he was in the spare room (laughs) um so I I was feeling really tired last January and February and I just put it down to you know having a newborn and not getting much sleep and then I remember one night I'm starting to feel nauseous Wes had ordered an Indian takeaway and I was there going god that yeah I must have a bug and um so was this 2020 this is 2020 okay So, um, you know, so I had all these strange sort of feelings, but I put it all down to just lack of sleep, lack of good nutrition, because, you know, having newborn, I'd kind of get to five o'clock in the day and I'd be living off coffee. You know, it's just busy and it's it's manic. So um, I remember my brother and his girlfriend had gone off to Mexico in the middle of February last year and he'd proposed to her, but they kept sending these pictures of avocados and tacos and all these amazing Mexican dishes that they were eating. And I was craving, like, I used to go to Tesco and just buy all the Mexican food <laughs> off the shelf. And I went home one day and made this big bowl of um, guacamole and just ate it all. And I was like, God, my cravings are mad at the moment. I must be really like low imbalance, on energy, or, low on yeah. energy, nutrition. Another time, Wes came into the room and he was eating a bowl of cereal, um, Special K, and I had some of the most delicious thing I'd ever tried. Anyway, I got to the end of February last year and I was on the Late Late Show talking about not being able to have a baby and um, how, you know, we'd had Sophia through surrogacy and, um, you know, the interview had a great response from people who had struggled with fertility as well. Mm-hmm. But the next day I began to have a miscarriage and what turned out later to be a miscarriage um but it sort of started went on for a few days I thought it was just a sort of heavy period and on the Tuesday um the following week I just sort of Wes found me in the bathroom with just blood everywhere just you know 
cramping and crying and bleeding and he rang my mum and he was like Rosie's on the floor surrounded by blood I don't know what to do so my mum comes along brings me to Hollis Street and I kept saying no it's just just every period I just haven't had one in a few months because you know I've got a newborn and life is yeah. busy and I've just I've been so sleep deprived and they were like no we've tested out um you know the material tissue and um it's it's you were definitely pregnant when how long you know how far along were you and we calculated that I was nearly 11 weeks but sorry this is to get to the answer to no, your question no, take your the time. nurse said to me um are you okay and I started laughing and I was lying in the hospital bed in Hollis Street like it was about I'd say half 11 12 it was late having just been told that I'd lost um this pregnancy I started laughing I was like this is incredible oh my goodness I've never got this far along I've lost 14 pregnancies in six and a, at six and a half weeks this is amazing and she was like, oh, taken aback and it was then that she yeah I mean she as I said she was very taken aback and sort of said look we have a counseling service if you need help and she was just so I suppose shocked by my response but my mum was there as well sort of you know holding my hand yeah. and she was just amazed as well and I said this is amazing and I I would be devastated but I have a th- beautiful three-month-old daughter at home so I'm fine yeah. and I just went home like buzzing with delight I mean it was just the most extraordinary response and I didn't know how to cope with it because I'd gone in thinking yeah. it was just a heavy period so but it goes to show like perspective is everything like because if that had been your first like if yeah if that had been my first loss or if I didn't have Sophia I would have been absolutely devastated but what I think is miraculous and obviously I've talked about it in the book is that a month later I got pregnant with the twins and you know look at how it turned out so and the doctor actually the nurse and the doctor separately said to me you know you're going to be quite fertile after a miscarriage at this stage so be careful but of Uh, course I thought you're like be careful this might work (laughs) there's a bit of a hope here so um, I'm sorry like as if if your story (laughs) couldn't get any more so that is part of the story that hasn't you know I haven't properly you know discussed yeah as I said just I haven't had the opportunity but to me it's the most sort of miraculous part of it that um what came out of this loss was the twins so um I just love like as you as you mentioned like that that late late show appearance you did blew people away and I think it's probably so much of it is that you are the type of person that people will see in newspapers or follow on Instagram and say she has she has it all like she's you know, she's married, gorgeous husband, looks amazing, you know, has had this lovely life, you mm. know, from what we can see. Yeah. It is just the perfect example of you have, I'm sorry, excuse my language, but you haven't a fucking clue what people are going through. You don't know what people are going through at all. And, you know, even I was thinking, I've, I think about this a lot, actually, that so many of us have issues and problems that we deal with and we just get up and most people are so brave and they just go about their everyday lives Um you know, with a huge burden of kind of problems. Um, Even I met up with a group of my school friends last week and we all brought our kids. But each one of them was going through something, whether it was um, the loss of a parent, a pregnancy loss, um, uh, you know, diabetes, gestational diabetes, um, someone else had something else going on and, you know, sick child, sick sister, brother and, or you know, autistic child, whatever it was, they were all dealing with it, yet they 
got up that Saturday morning, mm. brought their kids to the park. We'd all had a lovely time, you know, um, great chats as well as much as you can of great chats while you're chasing toddlers around. But, you know, we all have our burdens. We all have our, our issues. And um, I just got to a stage really where I was sick of hiding it. I was sick of feeling guilty and ashamed. And, you know, I, I went for so long for those few years, 2016, 17, 18, just hiding it all and just feeling that sort of veil of stig- stigma and secrecy that surrounds infertility and, and pregnancy loss. And I did a lot of work on myself to get to a point where I was very comfortable saying, look, I'm the girl who can't have a baby. Yeah. And it became my sort of identity or my sort of worldview of myself where I, you know, I'd say to people and strangers would, you know, come, not come up to me. I'd get into a conversation with strangers, say at an event or wedding, and they'd be talking about their kids and they'd say, do you have any kids yourself? And I'd say, well, I actually can't have a baby. I need medical science to help me. And you started to say that. And I was fine with it. And, you know, a couple of them might be taken aback, but I think, you know, we're, we all know how human reproduction works. We're all aware that it doesn't always work perfectly. And, you know, it can be tragic for so many couples and you know so many of them go through such struggles so I think what's the point in pretending that yeah. everything is perfect um we were chatting on the way up the stairs you know just about how mad your house is now <laughs> and so like do you get moments say like you are so allowed to say oh my god this is manic I'm absolutely wrecked but do you find sometimes you go but I- but it's all but it's all I wanted and so I can't I can't and you could do you feel torn sometimes sort of you know I stop myself from complaining about it mostly because <laughs> um it is it is what we wanted and I'm absolutely just thrilled and buzzing every day that our family is here and you know we're we're enjoying them all so much but then I compare it to the feeling of um thinking I'd maybe never have children yeah. or you know the feeling of losing pregnancies and I never that's the most exhausting lonely traumatic experience that you can have as an individual or as a couple and um you know to compare it to that you know puts everything into perspective and I suppose that's also why I wrote the book is is well many reasons but um to it's the kind of story that I would have loved to read when we were going through those times I I used to troll internet you know forums late at night looking for you know stories of hope and success with with pregnant you know after pregnancy loss and just clinging on to them so I want my story to be able to offer hope and comfort and support to couples who have been through what what we've been through or will go through in the future as well um so it's you know I I felt like I was leading a double life for so long where I was this happy you know chatting off to nice places and you yeah. know always smiling kind of person but you know on on the inside or behind closed doors it was a different situation and it, it helped me so much to be open and honest and to talk to friends and family about what we were going through and then ultimately to talk about it more publicly I think there's a lot of healing power in just sharing your story and and realizing that so many other people go through traumatic experiences as well how like how many would how many people have reached I'm like you probably can't even think of the number but like DMs you might get on Instagram or people stopping you in the street and saying thank you for not to be cringe about it but thank you for sharing I mean yeah hundreds definitely um I'm at the point where I don't even have time really I to know. get through messages anymore <laughs> but and I'm, I'm so sorry to anyone who has reached out and messaged me it's it's easier probably just to email me um but yeah I, I just that was actually something that I struggled with when I found out that, you know, I was, I was expecting the twins and that everything was going well. And I, for a long time, I expected something just to go wrong. And, 
you know, I had, I suppose we held off from even announcing it for a while because um, I was trying to deal with um, reversing this view I had of myself as the girl who couldn't have a baby. So um, I had to sort of reverse everything I thought I knew about myself to that point. And then I had to deal with, it was like a survivor's guilt where I was very comfortable in, in being you know, a public person who was able to talk about pregnancy loss and infertility and to be able to support others. And, you know, I wanted my story of um, multiple miscarriages and surrogacy to be able to give hope to other couples going through that. So then suddenly when I found myself pregnant with healthy babies, you know, not one, but two, I had to go through all this yeah it was like survivor's guilt as I said this feeling of god I shouldn't be this lucky yeah how can I even announce this um this has happened to me after after everything I've yeah. I've said and yeah because so it's it like you were part while. of this yeah you were part of this club almost yeah of people who and I'd been yeah. really you know messaging back people yeah. who would who would come to me and said well how do I go about surrogacy how do I deal with this and I felt gosh how you know how can I be in this situation now I'm going to have to um, I felt guilty ultimately. Um, so there, there were a lot of emotions that I felt I needed to deal with um, when I found out that I was pregnant and it was you know, progressing well. Obviously, joy and excitement were, were up there, but a lot of unexpected emotions as well. Okay, Rosanna, the person you always laugh with. It would have to be Wes. I mean, <laughs> nearly every day we're we're laughing hysterically. It's something that goes on. Um, that's not to say we don't have our moments of <laughs> nitpicking at each other and <laughs> you know never a crossword. But you know we do laugh a lot um, with each other, which is so important in a relationship as well. And why doesn't he listen to your voice outside of the home? <laughs> <laughs> he does not want to hear my voice. <laughs> I mean, when the, when we get the kids to bed, he like slinks <laughs> off to his man cave to goodness knows what he does. But um, I think there's an Xbox in there and there's a TV and I know there's football going on. So <laughs> I kind of feel like the minute the kids are in bed, he just wants to <laughs> do his thing. Yeah, which is fine. Men yeah. need their space as much as we do as well. How do you like when you need space? Is it a walk? Is it gym? Is it reading yoga? What do you do to stay yeah, a bit of all of the above. Um, we have a little home gym. Um, there, when we moved into the house, there was an office there, so we got rid of the office stuff <laughs> and put in some gym equipment. So I do try and get half an hour in there um, as as often as I can. It could only be maybe two days a week, three yeah. days a week, but. We do a lot of walks, so a lot of park walks with the kids and um, especially at weekends, um, we kind of try and get up early. Well, we are up early, but we try and get them out the door early. <laughs> but, you know, if I think any parent of babies will relate to this, but, you know, if say you get up at six, by the time you've got everyone sort of changed, changed again, if there's been a nappy explosion <laughs> times three, um, giving them breakfast, bottles, you know, all that kind of thing, packed up the pushchair or the changing bag or the car, whatever it is. It's, it is about three or four hours by the time God. you're out the door. It does take that length of time. And then I'm always the last one to get ready. So <laughs> I'm always there like quickly trying to brush the hair. I, I, th- I feel like I live out of the clean laundry basket. So, you know, you get everything washed and then got it sort of folded in the laundry basket. I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll just get dressed in what I wore two days ago. And it's already been washed. There's no such thing as ironing. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Rosanna, a time where you had the last laugh. I was trying to think of a specific moment and I can't. So I will think of various times. Um, 
I suppose comments maybe that have been made over the years that have been a little bit snarky or a little bit cheeky that have made me actually want to improve myself or, or do something to show them. Yes. You know, the naysayers. Yeah. Uh, so I remember soon after I won Miss World, someone some stranger I think in a newspaper referred to me as a blonde bimbo oh great and I thought how dare you so that sort of spurred me on to finish my degree I mean obviously I wanted to do it anyway <laughs> yeah. but I kind of thought how dare you I'm not so I'll go finish my degree and then I'll show you you know you know comments like that are yes. made that you know light a fire in your belly yeah um and then there were uh, there were a couple of cruel comments that she made to me just online by trolls I mean I'm lucky I don't get an awful lot and the block button is obviously yeah. a useful tool. Do you use tool. it? Yeah, I'm, I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah it has um, to be done. Yeah. I'm why would you block. Why would you put up with it? Exactly. When you don't I have mean, to. There's so much to be said for just being kind and compassionate and realising that nobody has a perfect existence yeah. and we all deal with our own issues. Um, but yeah, there were a couple of cruel comments made by trolls around the time that I was talking about welcoming Sophia via surrogacy. A couple of people saying, oh, well, you just didn't want to get fat. Oh my um, or someone else said, you'll never be a real mother. So I kind of think, well, there you go. Look at I, me now. <laughs> I am a real mother. <laughs> And I feel like one every second of the day. Yeah. You're like, come to my house yeah. and see me dealing with the poo. And then you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, always. I mean, certainly in the early months when the, the twins were um, struggling with reflux and colic, I was just covered in vomit. I mean, I'd go to bed or not go to bed. Obviously, but <laughs> I'd end the day with just always streaks of sick down my shoulder. Lovely. And I thought, you know, that's, that's yeah. motherhood right there. Send them a picture. Yeah. Unblock them. Send them a picture. Exactly. Block them again. So it's just comments like that where you think, oh, I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. If laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Oh, pizza and wine without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no, wine and pizza, in that combination. Um, Wes and I don't get an awful lot of time to go on date nights anymore. Um, we did. We've been to dinner twice this year, just over the summer. When outdoor dining opened up, we just went five minutes up the road to a local restaurant. Lovely. But it's quite a lot of organising, trying to obviously get them all to bed, organising babysitter, being home in time for the babysitter to go, um, making sure that, you know, one doesn't wake, or all three don't wake up at the same time for one person to deal with. So we went kind of locally so that we could just keep an eye and make sure Sophia slept through. Anyway, it was all fine and it was lovely. But our sort of date night now is a Friday night pizza and a glass of wine. Um, so, Simple. and we just sit there kind of going, oh, I survived another week. I know, I've loved nearly. actually, I've loved your reels and stuff on Instagram. They're brilliant. It just sums it up. When, yeah, when I have a sort of jolt of inspiration, <laughs> I think oh, I'll do a silly video. But I mean, half the time... Yeah, I'm just too worn out by that time of the evening. What, how about, because I know you guys, as you've mentioned, you love traveling. What, what, yeah, <laughs> the thoughts of doing it with the three, like, what, like, goodness, um, we do, we go to Wicklow and we haven't made it further than Wicklow over the <laughs> summer, but we go to Wicklow to my parents at weekends just, you know, to have extra adults on hand. Yeah. And, and my dad makes a good gin and tonic, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> he sometimes offers us one if we're looking particularly <laughs> ragged. Um, he's like, after your behavior on Christmas Day, you're just getting the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then my mum is scared if she sends us off for a nap that will make more babies. <laughs> and which I can assure you, no. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't think Wes will go near me. Um, 
But yeah, so weekends we have to pack up the car, but the packing has to start the night before because, you know, you have to remember everything from shoes to socks to sun cream to sun hats to baby food you know milk and um, the <laughs> list goes on nappies three different change clothes, clothes. Oh. oh everything wipes so um we do do that most weekends um but last week i went to germany for the yes. day so that was the first time i'd traveled since feb last year and it was just for the day because i've a lovely manager over there so i on, on under normal circumstances i would be over and back quite a bit and um, but he said now i i shouldn't keep you overnight because you know you might get a full night's sleep in a hotel room so <laughs> i saw actually I, I i did german for the leaving search i have a little bit i saw you shared one of the newspaper articles oh, and i was like trying to it was like nine months after baby it back in gym oh, clothes or something. to be honest i didn't even understand the headline i just shared it because i thought i had to um so went anyway went for the day at a 3.15 alarm clock um, got up I was buzzing I was so excited yeah. to get on a plane again I had four flights so I had to go to Frankfurt first and then on to Hamburg but you know the Germans are very efficient with time so yes. um, the flights all ran smoothly I met my manager at the airport hopped in a taxi it was five minutes to where the shoot was happening um, we did it it was done in under an hour Perfect. and then he said okay let's go back um, get a bite to eat in the airport and so, you know, had some lunch in the airport and, you know, had a couple of hours just to wander around. And if that's not a holiday, then oh I don't gosh. know what is. What was it like on the flight, just <laughs> having no one to look after? I just, I <laughs> downloaded some podcasts. I listened to music. I just closed my eyes. I'm just, oh, it was bliss. Dreamy. Yeah. You just have to do like bliss. once a month, you should just book a flight to somewhere and back one yeah. day. And just, yeah, <laughs> just say to us, oh, sorry. Know, work is so busy. Sorry. I just have, have to, to catch my off. flight. Yeah. <laughs> And because he doesn't want to listen to my voice or look at me, he won't follow my stories. He won't look at me on social media. So it's perfect. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for your quick my round? Yes. Okay. The actor that always makes you laugh. I love the old school ones. The Jim Carrey. Love it. Will Ferrell. Um, some of my best childhood memories involve all the family sitting around in front of Father Ted. Oh. And there was a Christmas party back in, it must have been the mid to... Yeah, mid 90s, maybe. And um, my dad, I, I suppose I was 10 or 11. My dad was sort of mates um, with some of the, the, <laughs> the father Ted crew, crew. I, I don't know how, but my dad is a way of <laughs> mingling and schmoozing people. And so, you know, I was downstairs in the kids section uh, watching cartoons and my parents were, you know, upstairs the party kind of in the the good room upstairs and father ted walks past the window stop it and walks in the door and my dad runs down to meet him and i remember just being just in awe and i was like look look at this and i I brought him into the sitting room where he was on the telly stop (laughs) we were watching on the telly yeah i was like look it's you did you know you were on the telly how did that gobshite get on the telly um so and you know to this day my whole family quotes father you know if we're sitting at a meal or anything and we run out of things to say someone goes father ted quotes so you have to shoot off a quote and you have to guess which episode it was in oh my god yeah i'm not so good at it but my my brothers and dad are really good um so yeah so it played a huge part in the sort of comedy part of my childhood and early life and um I suppose yeah it was a huge influence and yeah, in certain ways Ireland hasn't changed yeah. a huge amount yeah. over parts of Ireland totally um, and you look back at old footage on RTE or 
you know anywhere and reeling in the weird that's oh well, yeah <laughs> and there's an, an account on Instagram called reeling in the weird yes which I love I love it and uh, you know I think gosh that was probably you know inspiration for Father Ted right you there you featured heavily in uh, reeling in the ears recently in the year you won God, cringe what oh. no no it was just my eyebrows. <laughs> no, they Little were fabulous sperm at the time. shaped eyebrows. Well, it was. Yeah, we were all trying to. Yeah, we Look all looked at Pamela Anderson. This and is people it. like that. You were working yeah. it. Okay, the actress that always makes you laugh, Rosanna. I suppose I'd have to say Pauline McLean then, because um, she, yep. again, was such a huge part of you know, our lives as, as Father Ted fans. And oh, the amount of times I said, Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> I go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an icon an icon yeah. okay the movie you always have it it would have to be again the old school ones like Dumb and Dumber I still laugh at that um, The Hangover yeah you know so much of if you were in your early 20, late teens early 20s maybe and you know yeah I think I suppose that's when The Hangover came out I think it was around probably mm. 10 12 years ago yeah. maybe but you know it was very relatable yes. back then when you were off on your six-year holidays or you know messing as a 20 year old um <laughs> okay your favorite comedian the one that always makes you laugh out loud probably michael mcintyre just Love again it. some of his parenting stories and um you know his you know the out out yes! kind of jokes i love that um and that i mean that's been so widely so mainstream now yeah are you going out or out, out? yeah you know i i, I love his voice and his his yeah his sketches at the moment stories. you're like neither pizza and wine at home yeah <laughs> the opposite of <laughs> okay and finally Rosanna Davison your best or worst joke um I've had to write because I can't remember anything go on but I love the really crap cheesy dad jokes so how do you follow Will Smith in the snow you follow the Fresh Prince <laughs> those kind of ones Amazing. <laughs> or like, what do you call a man missing half his leg? Tony. <laughs> Tony. Or two peanuts walk down a road. One was assaulted. <laughs> yeah. Oh my the, god, they're the, great. The one-liners, though. You know the way you're told so many good jokes. Yeah. And you're like, brilliant. I'll remember that. Yeah. You just don't. Never do. No. No, it's just quick in-out job done. What else? Oh, one more. Okay. <laughs> I went to the zoo the other day. There was only a dog in it. It was a shih tzu. Ah, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> oh my God. We'll start with poo and end with poo. <laughs> Rosanna Davison, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being so fabulous and so open. And I cannot wait to get my hands on the book. When is it out again? Remind me. Thank you so much. So October 8th is pu- yeah, publication date. Great. So anytime after that it'll be in the shops I'm sure Um. (laughs) thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life thank you so much thank you for listening to the laughs of your life with Rosanna Davison the penultimate episode of the laughs of your life season 6 so if you haven't given a little review or dropped me a little tweet or DM please do so I would absolutely love if you did and it would mean a whole lot this season of the laughs of your life podcast is brought to you by TK Maxx Nothing beats that feeling when you nab ridiculously good quality Christmas bits for less at TK Maxx. Guest booker this season is Olive Esler. This podcast is recorded with Collaborative Studios. Hold up. 